Hi, my name is Pamela Coons, Associate Professor of Medicine in the Division of Oncology at Yale School of Medicine and Yale Cancer Center. I'm excited to announce ASCO's new open access journal, JCO Oncology Advances. As the inaugural editor-in-chief, I hope to support JCO Oncology Advances to become the premier platform to bridge the gap between accessible scientific research and clinical care. Stay tuned for more information, including new article types, at ascopubs.org forward slash JCO Oncology Advances. We look forward to seeing your submissions in spring of 2024. This JCO podcast provides observations and commentary on the JCO article, dexamethasone and high-dose methotrexate improve outcome for children and young adults with high-risk acute lymphoblastic leukemia. A report from Children Oncology Group Study AALL0232 by Larsen et al. My name is Hiroto Inaba, and I am an associate member at St. Jude Children Research Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, United States. My oncologic specialty is pediatric leukemia. Acute lymphoblastic leukemia is the most common pediatric cancer and the survival rate has now improved to about 90%. However, innovative approaches are needed to further improve survival while reducing the adverse effects of treatment. This study enrolled 3,154 patients who were 1 to 30 years old and then were newly diagnosed with National Cancer Institute high-risk B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. By using a 2x2 two two design, 2,914 subjects were randomized to receive either dexamethasone for 14 days or prednisone for 28 days during induction and either high-dose methotrexate or capizzi escalating dose methotrexate plus PEC asparaginase during interim maintenance one. Methotrexate is a critical component of acute lymphoblastic leukemia therapy and also plays an important role in controlling central nervous system disease. Two different methotrexate regimens have been studied. One is a high-dose methotrexate regimen in which 2 to 5 grams per meter square are administered intravenously over a period of 24 hours followed by leucoborin rescue. The other strategy is a capizzi regimen in which lower but escalating doses of intravenous methotrexate of 100 to 300 mg per square meter are delivered by short infusions without leucoborin rescue and then followed by asparaginase treatment. Both strategies are effective but they had never been compared directly. In the article that accompanies this podcast, Larsen and colleagues showed that the high-dose methotrexate regimen is better than capizzi regimen for treating high-risk B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. The accumulation of active metabolites of methotrexate called methotrexate polyglutamates in leukemia cells is associated with anti-leukemic activity, which can be affected 
by leukemia genetic subtypes and the methotrexate dosage. The accumulation of methotrexate polyglutamates is high in hyperdeployed B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which is commonly categorized as standard risk, but it is low in high-risk acute lymphoblastic leukemia, such as that with TCF3 PBX1 translocation. Therefore, patients with high-risk disease can benefit from receiving higher doses of methotrexate. Importantly, there was no statistically significant difference between the methotrexate regimens, except that the Capizzi regimen was associated with a higher frequency of febrile neutropenia than was observed with the high-dose methotrexate regimen. Glucocorticoids also remain essential components of the treatment. Historically, prednisone has been commonly used and is typically given for four weeks in combination with vincristine and asparaginase with or without anthracycline. Recently, dexamethasone has been used increasingly. However, the equivalent doses have not been firmly established for anti-leukemic treatment. In prospective randomized trials, dexamethasone treatment generally reduces the incidence of relapse of central nervous system leukemia. The relative doses of these two glucocorticoids can be calculated by dividing the actual prednisone dose in milligram per square meter by the dexamethasone dose in milligram per square meter. At the prednisone to dexamethasone dose ratio of less than 7, dexamethasone treatment resulted in better event-free survival than was achieved with prednisone. However, dexamethasone treatment also results in more adverse effects, including infection, bone fractures, and osteonecrosis, especially in patients aged 10 years or older, in whom dexamethasone is cleared more slowly than in younger patients. In addition, at a dose ratio greater than 7, when higher doses of prednisone were given, the two drugs showed no difference in their efficacy. Therefore, the efficacy of prednisone and dexamethasone appears to be dose-dependent. In this children oncology group study, patients were randomized to receive prednisone 60 mg per square meter per day on days 1 through 28, or dexamethasone 10 mg per square meter per day on days 1 through 14 during induction. The relative prednisone dexamethasone dose ratio was 6, although the duration of the dexamethasone administration was shorter than that of the prednisone administration. A comparison of the four regimens in the patient younger than 10 years demonstrated a statistically significant improvement in event-free survival with a dexamethasone plus high-dose methotrexate regimen compared to the other three regimens. As expected, patients randomized to dexamethasone treatment experienced higher rates of febrile neutropenia and infections during induction than were experienced by those patients randomized to prednisone. Importantly, in patients aged 10 years or older, exposure to dexamethasone during induction was associated with a significantly higher rate 
of osteonecrosis than was observed in patient randomized to prednisone. This led to the steroid randomization being terminated, and no survival benefit of dexamethasone was seen in this age group. In the ALL 2000 BFM AIEOP study, the use of 10 mg per square meter dexamethasone as opposed to 60 mg per square meter prednisone was significantly associated with death during induction, especially in older patients. This finding also resulted in randomization being discontinued in patients aged 10 years or older. Therefore, administration of high-dose dexamethasone at 10 mg meter square per day during remission induction therapy is not recommended for adult cells with B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. In addition, it should be noted that neither this children oncology group study nor the BFM AIEOP study showed a statistically significant improvement in the overall survival of patients with B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia treated with dexamethasone. This study showed patients with high-risk B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia benefit from receiving high-dose methotrexate during interim maintenance one, and those who are one to nine years old benefit from receiving 14 days of dexamethasone treatment during induction. However, the five-year event-free survival and overall survival in this study were 75.2% and 85.0% respectively, and significant adverse effects were reported. Clearly, further improvement is needed in this group. Most of the drugs used in the current treatment regimen were developed before 1970. Further intensification of the available conventional chemotherapy agents is unlikely to substantially improve survival, but may increase both the short-term and long-term adverse effects. Functional genomics and then proteomics will improve our understanding of the pathogenesis of individual cases, leading to targeted personalized medicine. Incorporating molecular targeting agents and immunotherapy into the current treatment regimen will potentially lead to further improvement in survival and fewer adverse effects in patients with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. This concludes this JCO podcast. Thank you very much for listening. For more original research, editorials, and review articles, please visit us online at jco.org. This production is copyrighted to the American Society of Clinical Oncology. Thank you for listening.